Hello, everybody. Welcome to Terrace Talk here on whatever pink and channel this happens to find you on. I'm Connor Southwell. Uh, we're looking ahead to Norwich City's home match against Coventry City. Don't worry, I will be bringing along my boots to Carrow Road. I'm, I'm hoping of a sneaky place on the bench now they've extended it to... to uh, now they've extended the match day squads. You never know. Uh, Daniel Farker might call upon me one day. Who knows? Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Norwich City fan Sarah Greaves and uh, Tom Ward of Sky Blues Extra. Guys, thank you very much for joining me, Sarah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start with you. We're recording this on about Thursday lunchtime. So the, the news has just broken, i.e. tears. Um, Norwich are, are in tier two. That means we're potentially looking at the return of fans uh, in, in a couple of weeks' time for the home match against Sheffield Wednesday, which... However, you, you dress it up considering everything that's happened this year is fantastic news. Yeah, I think I think it's just amazing. I mean, I, I'm I'm no longer local, so I'm in, in London, but we're luckily also in tier two. So I'm hoping that, that my, my name might be drawn out of the hat and I'll I'll get to go to a game really, really soon. Um I don't think we can sort of imagine the impact it's gonna have on on the players and ourselves when we get back into the the ground I think the emotional side of not being there like every time I see a video the club put out and I see our seats where we sat it's just like wowzers it's a long time since we've we've been in those seats um and so I think the first game back for, for the fans is going to be really emotional and I think for the players like all those players who've had their debuts this season and have never never heard us chant their names never heard us say oh come on you know get a move on or mm-hmm. even clap them when they've had a you know a good goal a good game or been substituted off off the pitch I can't imagine what that's like for a player to have started your career at a new football club during this time and and the fans haven't been there to to appreciate what what you're doing so I think it's going to change the dynamic to the games it might make home games a bit easier again and an away games a bit harder I think it's it's great news though and I think I think it's just going to lift everyone, football fans, and all of us have had a tough year, right? And and not being somewhere that that gives us all so much joy and happiness, even if the game's awful, has been has been tough on all of us. So I think it's going to be great to be back. Yeah, I, I know being inside the ground, uh, and obviously I was lucky enough to be there when there were one thousand in the ground against Preston, and the difference it made was was incredible, really. And 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 you're right. I spoke to Ben Gibson after Stoke, and he made the point that he hadn't even played in front of the Norwich fans yet. So that was something that that he was looking forward to. And of course, while there's sort of joy and excitement for Norwich, Tom, you, you, you're probably going to have to wait a little bit longer before you see um, Coventry back in action. Uh, I, th- I think the, the Midlands largely has been placed into, into tier yeah. three, um, yeah, which is exactly. a, a real disappointment for you guys. But in terms of the dynamic it's going to give to games, particularly away from home, from, from, your, from your perspective, that's going to be a real shift for the players, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a bit of a tough one for us. Obviously, we have the added problem that we have to look at Birmingham and Coventry's tiers because both have to be obviously not in the t- in tier three because people have to travel, which is a, which is obviously frustrating. Um, so yeah, it's a bit. Disp- I, I would live in London as well, so obviously we're we're tier two. But but yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, you know, we were talking on our sort of live last night after the game of you know, it is a bit of a strange one because obviously it might give some teams a bit of an advantage. Like I think Wickham might even be a tier one. Um, so possibly, I'm not sure. Yeah, so they they possibly could have four thousand fans in, which is probably what they get anyway, you know, or not far off. So, um, plus the added income streams. But I think you know it's one of those where even if we're a tier three, I think we're we're very happy to see fans back, and it's just it's just starting that process, isn't it, of, of getting fans back. So, although initially it might there might be some games where we go away and it might feel like a disadvantage, I think for football and and every you know for society everything i think it's a really positive thing 
Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully the news with, with the, the vaccines, hopefully around the corner, of course, awaiting approval and, and all that good news is, is the start of, um, of of fans coming back in, in, in bigger numbers. That ultimately is the aim. And uh, it's, it's going to be really good to, to see that at Carroll Road in a couple of weeks. And just in terms of the away players, I mean, that might even shift the dynamic further to to an extent where you can kind of create an asphalt them and, and, and use a, a different mentality to try and get a little bit more out of your squad, maybe. So, so it's going to be interesting to see but we'll, we'll park that for for this time next week um hopefully with, with the games against Luton of course Norwich will, will travel to Kenilworth Road we might see fans um there on that occasion and then obviously the the big one which is the the game at Carroll Road against Sheffield Wednesday which looks like um fans will be back of course the club uh, uh, will confirm details I think in in the coming days when they when they get all the clearance and and relevant information and guidance from from all the authorities uh it, it sounds like it's a bit of a process so, so I think that will come eventually um Sarah let's let's talk about football there Norwich City um, it's we didn't do one of these prior to Stoke because of the the tight schedules. But look at it: two really tough Championship away games against Middlesbrough yeah. and against Stoke. And Norwich have come out with maximum points. That's that's a, a really positive sign for their credentials this season. Yeah, I, I think we'd all say that they haven't really been firing on all cylinders yet. You sort of watch the games and think we're not quite there. There's more to come from this team, and they could be playing as we know they can play. Um, and so I think those two away games were, were really tough challenges. I mean, we have a little, you know, WhatsApp group where everyone predicts the scores. My sister predicted two one nil away wins. Um, and we were like, oh, you, you've got to be joking. But, um, you know, she was spot on with, with Middlesbrough. And, you know, Stoke was obviously a really high scoring game as, as their previous game for Stoke was. Um, so I, I think considering we're top now, We've had those two away wins at two teams that are going to be right up at the, the top come the end of the season. And we're not yet playing like I think how we can play. And now we've got the injury crisis again, as we had last season. I, I just think if we can get through this, I mean, and the fans get back, it could be a, another one of those great seasons back at Carroll Road and be a, a, a great season for this team. Yeah, I, I hope so. The the, ex, the excitement does seem to be building a bit more now. I know obviously it it sort of goes in line with the results, but behind closed doors has been really tough for for a lot of people, yeah. and it, it makes it better that results on the pitch are, are fairly positive at the moment. Just to sort of reflect on on that Stoke game, it was kind <laughs> of the story of the first sixty five minutes, and then the last twenty five. Norwich um, obviously hung on, but some of, some of the football, if we if we look at sort of the opening sixty five minutes, was, was brilliant. Yeah. It was, it was just, that was, I think, the closest to how we know they can play and how they, we've seen them play in the past. It was just like classic Norwich. And, you know, the kids were screaming at the TV as the goals were going in. And my friends are texting me going, I've oh, got this sewn up now. And look at this, what a, what a game. And I'm sort of, you know, messaging back going, oh, no, I, I, I know Norwich. This this one isn't one just just yet. Um, and then obviously we we had the last sort of 20 odd minutes in the second half. But that first half in particular, it was just like they they are on it. They're switched on. Different players came into the team again. Right. And it didn't didn't seem to matter. You see all that team sheet as it came out and you're thinking, how's this going to go? This could actually be a pretty, pretty tough evening for us. And I thought Josh Martin came in and was exceptional. Like the passes he put through, especially the assist for the goal, were just spot on and it was just you know a glorious 65 minutes and then sort of a sort of hanging on in classic sort of Norwich style but they they dug out that result and, and you know it wasn't a given they were going to do that Stoke were going for them especially after we were down to to 10 men and I, I think Hanley and Gibson at the back did an amazing job marshalling 
the defence and the team and, and encouraging McGovern and you know he came in and he and he made a couple of crucial saves towards the end there and and they, and they dug out that result and that's not what we've seen them do for a bit that's a different side to their to their game so yeah I did watch the last 10 minutes with my my lucky Norwich hat over my eyes so I couldn't watch it and they kids <laughs> were updating me on what was happening but uh yeah it was a it was a rough ride to the end. <laughs> at least you were in the warm. I was I was sat in the yeah. uh, in the stand at Stoke. My fingers were freezing. I was trying to bite my nails at the same time. Obviously with the <laughs> with the last ten minutes. So that was that was an interesting dynamic. But they they got there in the end. Um, Tom, uh, a one nil win against Cardiff. You're you're coming into the back of this one. Um, talk us through your your season so far. Because uh, obviously you sit. What is it? Three points outside of the relegation yeah. zone. Above. Wickham got promoted from from League One last season. Um, how, how do you assess your start to the season? Yeah, it's been um, obviously we had a fantastic season last season, getting promoted as as champions. Obviously, the season got cut short, but I think everyone kind of agreed that we probably would have gone on and won it. We were we were absolutely flying, you know, the start of of twenty twenty. Um, yeah, coming into this season, um, I think we've we've had a pretty tough start. Um, some of the teams we've had to play, you know, we've had to play Bournemouth, Bristol City, Blackburn, a lot of the teams that we'd expect to finish in the top half, if not the top six. Um, so it has been tough. We've only won three games so far this season. But I think what commentary fans feel very positive about is that we've been playing really well. You know, in the games that we've lost, ones like Forest, we lost in the 96th minute or something ridiculous, where we actually dominated the second half and probably should have won it, let alone get a point. So we've We've been able to take a lot of heart from our performances. You know, Watford away, we we were re- we looked really strong, and we kind of threw that one away as well. So, we're we're gathering a bit of momentum, and I think we just need to be a bit sort of bit more bit more streetwise, a bit tougher, and just grind out some results, which I think we can do. But I think what you'll notice on Saturday, we do you know we do play play some nice football. We mm. we have a nice shape to us. Um, you know, obviously that. You know, a lot of our team have played together for for a couple of years now. Obviously, Mark Robbins has been at the club for three seasons, so we've got quite a lot of togetherness. And I think, you know, hopefully things will pick up. And obviously, yeah, that last night's result was obviously a, obviously a brilliant one for us, a really important one actually, because um, you know we're, we're looking at this championship season in sort of three game blocks, and we got a point against Birmingham, which was a decent result. But then you have to back it up in the week, um, and we did that. And now we can, you know, Norwich is going to be a really tough one for us. But it, it, you know, Mark Robbins doesn't like saying it, but it feels like a bit of a free hit for us. We can go there and play with a bit of freedom, um, and it doesn't really matter what what happens. The games running up to Christmas are, are the ones where we really have to put a run together. I think. Hmm. Absolutely, I I, I did um, actually go and watch Coventry in must have been February, I think, obviously, to, to go and watch Sam McCallum and, and basically assess yeah. how he was getting on. It was um, it was the, the game against Bolton that, that I watched. And yeah. um, like perhaps many Norwich fans will have at the moment, I went with maybe some um, preconceived sort of ideas and conceptions about how they'd play and how Mark Robbins would set up a team and, and was actually pleasantly surprised um, by the sort of football that Coventry played and the system that they deployed, which is which is really um, positive as well. And, and I think I, I mean I only saw them for one game, but it was no surprise mm. to see them at the top end of of League One. Is it as a as a Coventry fan positive that even though you 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 look at the league position and you look at the results, maybe not necessarily being the best, that Mark Robbins has kept the same style that that, that brought you so much success in in League One? Because it's easy for clubs to go in the other direction, isn't it? And try and sort of um, put men behind the ball and, and, and stay in yeah. game. So, so that must be quite positive for you as a Coventry fan. 
Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, he has he has changed things slightly. So, you know, we had like last night, for example, we played with four at the back and we've done that for a couple of games. So we usually play with three and wing backs. But um, but, you know, he's just he's just adapting to the opposition we're playing. You know, there's there's, the the championship's a weird one because there's so many different types of opposition. You know, I think in League One, you can set up pretty much the same week in, week out. And we're obviously getting to a rhythm of winning a lot of games. But, you know, in the championship, there's lots of different opposition. Everyone plays slightly different styles. Um, but it, so he's adapting to that and he's and he's switching when he needs to. So although we're the players have a lot of togetherness, we he's not afraid of changing the system. And, and it's hard to predict what we're going to do. You know, going into Saturday, I wouldn't be surprised if he switches back to a three, three at the back. Um, with wing backs, it's you know he um, he's not afraid to do that. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see what he does. Interesting stuff, and and, and we'll come more into to Mark Robbins and and his sort of journey at Coventry a, a bit more later on. Because he's got Norwich City connections. There's there's quite a few links I think between the two yeah. clubs. Um, Sarah, let's let's come to you. It, it wouldn't be Norwich City, would it, if we weren't talking about an injury crisis? Of course, a, a few names to add to this. And we're, we're recording this before Daniel Farkas' press conference. So, yet to know the full extent of the injuries. But obviously, we saw Tim Krul limp off against um, against Stoke, uh, holding his thigh. Uh, that was that was heavily strapped as he left the stadium. Um, Timmy Puki, of course, went off with a slight hamstring concern. Marco Steepman went off with concussion. That's before you you add sort of the the other list of injuries. Adam Eder, Kenny McLean, um, Todd Campwell. We could we could go on, but um, I think everyone who, who's um, of a Norwich City pers- persuasion is is aware of that list at the moment. As bad as those injuries are, and as bad as that injury crisis is, is it positive that Norwich City have the likes of and, and you mentioned Hanley and Gibson earlier on. You also throw Skip and Rupp, I guess, into that the spine of their team, certainly defensively and, and in midfield at the moment, touching wood seems to be fairly consistent. Yeah, I, I think you, you've sort of hit on a on a good point there. I mean, the, the back four has been fairly stable now over the last few games. I know, um, you know, our makeshift left back, who doesn't really look like that anymore, is is still there, but doing a doing a great job. And I think the back four are, are pretty stable. And, and touch wood, like you said, we don't want any of them getting injured, but we do have options there for coming into that defensive unit. Um, the heart of the midfield, I think Skip has really found his feet now in the championship. You know, some of the timings of those tackles at Stoke were just impeccable when he's in the penalty area as well. And the way he, he tackled right towards the end was just class. You know, he's found his championship feet and is doing an excellent job in that that midfield area. I think Teddy came in and looked like he hadn't missed a game. Mm. It looked like he'd just been playing all season. Um, and, and I think, you know, getting getting Rupp back fit, I think he's had he's also had an exceptional season so far. I think that that's looking good. What we're what we're starting to miss, perhaps, is those additional players we can bring in on on the wings or or to sort of add creativity if we need to. There seems to be the players that that are getting injured more. Um, and obviously, if anything happens to to Buki at the moment, <laughs> we we could have a bit of an issue. I'd I'd be wrapping him up. I mean, I heard Daniel Farker say he's not really doing that much in training at the moment because of his heavy match schedule. He's just sort of, you know, doing some some light training. He's not taking part in full on training like like everybody else. So they're obviously trying to keep keep an eye on him and make sure he's, you know, as fully fit as possible. And and you know, we all have to hope he's. The toe injury or whatever it was in, in the premiership that seemed to impact him and his ability to sort of sprint and, and really connect with the, the ball towards the end of the season is, is not something that's going to be a recurring injury. You know, at Stoke on 
Tuesday I sort of thought someone's going to stand on his foot and that would be our next injury. And in the end, it was like cruel having some random thing happen to his thigh that I don't think any of us ever saw what actually caused caused the injury. Although, it, you know, I know people think he might have gone into the game with a pre-existing problem because there were two keepers on the bench. Um, I, you know, I, I trust that they're not doing anything on the training ground or in the, you know, the training schedule, which makes them more likely to pick up these niggles and these knocks. But it just seems to be a consist- consistent theme now from like last last season where we saw so many of these like slightly random bit ad hoc injuries cropping up. And, and now we're sort of into that again at the same sort of point of the season. So I sort of trust the physios and the team <laughs> and Coney and there's nothing nothing they need to tweak. But it is, you know, another run of bad luck. It's not It's not ideal, but it gives an opportunity for those those younger players in the under 23s who've been having a smashing good season so far to like get on the bench and come on and play with no fear and show everyone what they can do. So, you know, let's hope they stay fit because I realise there's an injury crisis there as well. Um, and we'll, we'll see what, what 11 we have to put out on Saturday. Absolutely. It wouldn't be Norwich City without an injury crisis at some point in the season, would it? Um, just to, I, th- I think this, this fixture against Coventry probably raises a, a pertinent point because Norwich fans will see Xavi Quintia out injured. They'll see Barley Mumba out injured. They'll see Sam Byram out injured. They'll see Jakob Sorensen playing in left back. And they'll look to Coventry and, and, and see Sam McCallum, of course, who, yeah. who is a, a left back by trade. I know he's been playing him. Um, I'll get Tom's view on, on this at the moment as, as a right wing back. But there'll be many people questioning that decision. And of course, with the benefit of hindsight, that's that that makes sense. But what what are your views on on that position and, and the fact that Norwich City are left with with Jakob Sorensen, who is a, a midfielder by trade in playing in that position, although he's done a fairly decent job. I think you're you're probably right in, in saying that there has been some fairly hairy moments for him as well. Yeah, I, I think it was a weakness in the squad as we sort of, you know, we saw Jamal Lewis leave as we expected him to. And uh, Zabi came in and did an exceptionally good job. And, and he's obviously now got some weird injury that no one can quite figure out what it is. And I think not having that backup or calling Sam back from Coventry was perhaps an, an error. Um, we just don't have the strength and depth in that in that left-hand side. And I, and I don't think there's anyone coming up from the, the academy or the under-23s who is probably ready to to step into that spot. So I, I think they've had to reconfigure exactly how they play on that left-hand side. You know, you don't have any, you don't have your classic left wing back from Norwich bombing down the wing anymore. You have a different kind of way of playing on that left-hand side, which has altered the dynamics, I think, into the strike force and through to the midfield. But yeah, with hindsight, we should have, we should have shorn up that position. We should have called Sam back. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting debate. Tom, how, how has Sam been, getting on at Coventry because the, the flip side of sort of the, the points that Sarah has raised there is the fact that he is going to be exposed to a full season of championship football with, with the club, something that he, he hasn't had previously, of course, mm. he's sort of played at, at League One and, and lower. He's been playing as a right wing back, a, a slightly different role to the one he played last season. Um, yeah. How's he How's he been getting on? Yeah, obviously, you know, he, he, um, he had a terrific season last season, played almost every game for us. He's one of our key players. Um, this season, yeah, we... With, for commentary fans, it was a bit of a strange one when he came back. We weren't quite sure why, and now it's become really clear why. Because um, Fankati Dabo, who who played normally plays at right wing back, who again was one of our best players last season, um, he was struggling with injuries at the start of the season. He had some surgery over the summer. 
Um, and we also signed DaCosta, who also has been injured. So we needed someone who could obviously fill in and play on both sides. Um, we, we, we also have Ryan Giles on loan from Wolves, who plays on the left. He's more of an attacking uh, left wing back. So that meant that McCallum's been playing on the right. Um, and it's, I don't know if you've seen some of our highlights, but it's been quite funny that um, against Reading, for example, they didn't seem to know that he had a left foot. Um, so I don't know if you saw his goal, but he cut in on his left and, and smashed it into the goal and it completely caught them out, caught them by surprise. He, he also delivered a cracking ball against Forrest for our equaliser, again, cutting in onto his left. So, um, yeah, it's it's been quite funny that um, teams haven't actually realised he's got a he's got a very dangerous left foot. But no, he's been he's been brilliant for us this season, um, and it's good now as well that we've got the option to you know Dabo's coming back now that we can switch um, you know McCallum back back onto the left, um, and the fact that he can play as a left back as well is is really good because actually last night we pushed uh, Ryan Giles further forward into the midfield and and utilised him more as an attacking player. So you know, I think uh, a full season of with McCallum playing for us, I think he'll be a, a really exciting player for you guys next season. And, and I, I wanted to speak about your recruitment generally, because um, you, you've obviously got Chris Badland as, as the head of recruitment. He um, is, is well, has worked with Stuart Weber in the past. I think he's spoken before about how, he's, how, he, how he took a lot from, from their time together. He, he was at Norwich before previously um, and at Wolves as well. I think they worked together. But yeah. Um, Coventry's recruitment has, has been similar to Norwich's in some regard, where it's, it's kind of shopping in markets that maybe you wouldn't necessarily predict. Obviously, the budgets are, are, are fairly low. I think the, the majority of the transfers Coventry did this summer were, were free transfers and, and loans. Um, talk yeah. to us a little bit about that recruitment and perhaps what those players have, have added to the squad, because they, you've maybe got a quality of player that you wouldn't necessarily be able, as, as Norwich fans know, you wouldn't necessarily have been able to to have um, purchased if, if they were playing in England, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think just, you know, where we are as a club, um, we, we you know, clearly can't afford to go out and spend millions on players. Um, I think we're very much following that kind of Brentford model of, you know, picking up players for under a million or freeze in perhaps in Europe, perhaps players who've fallen out from like the Chelsea and Arsenal academies and then developing them and, and selling them on for three or four or five million. And obviously year on year, you can just increase your stock doing it that way. Um, so that's sort of, again, what we've done this year, bought in a, a few frees, a few loans. Um, our two sort of main signings that we spent money on was Gus, Gus Hammer, um, who who is a terrific signing. I think we got him for 1.2 million from Zvol in, in Holland. Um, and he's just a, a real rough diamond, really. We've really, you know, Hit, hit the jackpot finding him. Um, he's been great for us this season. He really dictates a lot of the play. He scored a couple of goals. We're pushing him a bit further forward now as well with with Liam Kelly back from injury. Um, so he's, yeah, he's been great for us. And the other one was, was Tyler Walker as well. Um, a player that's actually been on the club's radar for a couple of years now. Um, I just, I think he we weren't quite ready to sign him in the last couple of years, but um, we sort of struck in the summer and, and got him, I think something somewhere around 500 grand, a bit of a bargain really from Forrest. Um, and he's, he's hitting a bit of form as well. Scored again last night. Um, so he's a, he's a great signing, but yeah, I know it's generally, it's just a case of, um, you know, finding these sort of uh, rough diamonds, really developing them and then sort of moving them on. And hopefully over, over a few seasons, we can, sort of build up our stock but yeah Chris Baden has been unbelievable for us I mean we didn't I think you know when we were in the sort of league two season when we hit our sort of lowest point we didn't even have a recruitment department um you know we just we just weren't very good at finding players and 
Mark Robbins came in and completely restructured the club. You know, he employed a, a recruitment department and it's been, I mean, our recruitment since has been absolutely like outstanding and, and no wonder we're back in the championship. Mm, yeah, that's, uh, I, I'm sure Norwich will, or Norwich fans will look at Coventry and, and see a lot of, a lot of parallels. Um, before I ask Tom about Mark Robbins, Sarah, um, let's, let's hear your views on him. Of course, former Norwich City striker, well liked in these parts, I think, by the, by the majority of, of people mm. and really good to see him doing well in management. Yeah, I mean it's it's really great to see him doing well. I remember those those games back in the early nineties when yeah. he, you know, what a star on the pitch that that away game at Arsenal as well. In particular, is a is an absolute highlight at the beginning of that season. Um, it's great to see. I think Norwich players overall going on and developing and becoming good managers because who knows? Maybe they'll come back to us one day. And you you know you've got Russell Martin now doing a sterling job as well. I think. There must be something about the structure or the setup of how we support our players after they leave us, or allow them to get their qualifications while they're they're still working with us. That um, you know ensures that they can go on and have really good careers somewhere else, and, and and sort of take that Norwich mindset with them. Like Tom was talking about the setup of how you're recruiting and how you're you know finding players, and that's kind of been the Norwich way of of surviving, as we've seen over many recent years, finding a different way of doing it because we can't compete with with the cash of the the big boys so let's find a different way of doing it and, mm. it, and it's incredibly successful and you know we've got this conveyor belt now of players coming out of the academy who we've, we've picked up either from other places where they've dropped out or or we've had since they were under nines and and you know worked them all the way through but it's great to see mark it's a shame we're not all there to welcome him home in a yeah. way it would be yeah it'd be good to see him yeah it, it absolutely it absolutely will and, and and tom um just just quickly on on mark robbins and, and you alluded to it there he joined the club second spell as, as manager in, in in league two i, I think the, the club hadn't got promoted in i'm sure you, you can tell me how many years but it was, it was quite a while wasn't long, it right long time <laughs> yeah. exactly um so he, he, he did that of course won the the efl trophy as well and and then ultimately got you back to the championship which which for coventry um it, it's been a while since you guys are there so he's done a remarkable job hasn't he yeah, he has done an absolutely remarkable job. Obviously, he had a had a spell with us in around sort of 2012 where he wasn't with us for long, but did did a really good job and obviously went off to, to Huddersfield. Fans weren't too impressed because I think a couple of weeks before he left, he said that he had sky blue blood running through his veins and then and then went off to Huddersfield. But it kind of was a blessing in disguise because he I think he felt a little bit guilty about that and he, he felt he had to come back and, and make a difference. And fair play to him, he took on a, a, a club and a team that were get, going to get relegated from League One, obviously won the you know the checker trade just before that, um, and then as I said, sort of really restructured the club. I mean, he's not just he's not just a, a manager, a coach. He he's a, he's a manager of the entire club. He's galvanised the fans. He's done so much behind the scenes, um, and and yeah, he's just built everything back up really, and obviously won two promotions. Um, also, AD Vivas, who's his, his, his assistant, has to have a lot of credit. You know, he's probably more of the day-to-day coach on the pitch um, and sort of Robbins just brings it kind of all together, really. Um, but no, he's obviously incredible. He People are putting him up there with the likes of Jimmy Hill and saying, you know, he if I think if he can get us back to the Premier League, then there's no, you know, he's probably our greatest ever manager, no doubt about it. He's, he's that good. Well, that's uh, that's high praise indeed, um, Sarah. <laughs> let's let's look ahead to to this game against um, potentially Coventry City's best best ever manager. Um, how, how do you see it? How do you see it working for Norwich City? We've seen a lot of different dynamics at Carrow Road. We've seen teams press them and and have a bit of joy. We've seen seen teams go completely the opposite way. See Birmingham, uh, I think, are, are a good example. And 
maybe lack a bit of ambition in, in the way they played against Norwich City. How, how do you see this one going? And particularly with the injury crisis, how, how do Norwich City get through this period? Yeah, I think if I was Mark Robbins and I was turning up, I'd, I'd be just going for it. This is a team with a bit of an injury crisis. He knows our setup. He knows how we play. Why not? Why not really bring the game to us and see what happens? Which not many teams have done when we've been playing at home so far this season. Uh, and, you know, Tom mentioned it, just play with a bit of freedom. I think they'll turn off and they'll really press us. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, and, you know, and I think Norwich's fitness will probably stay stay the length of the game and we can continue pressing up into the second half and we'll see how, how long it takes for us to get ahead. Um, sorry, Tom. The injury... <laughs> The injury crisis, man, alive. Uh, I'm fearful for that press conference tomorrow when Daniel will come out and tell us who may or may not also be added to that whiteboard of injured players. I mean, the, the team that's injured <laughs> would be a pretty strong first 11 with some substitutes on the bench now, right? It's like, it's, it's that bad. Um, but I think I think the guys that ha- who are still fit, you know, we've got, we've got the backbone of the team still fit. I sort of kind of think we might get some good news tomorrow. There might be someone who's fit enough to be back on the bench, maybe. I mean, maybe it's Todd Campwell. He might be nearly back. I mean, I know they've tried the last couple of weeks to sort of get him back, and he's had a niggle right at the end. So maybe it's him who's closest. I mean, just something would be great <laughs> to see that there is a turning point to the injury crisis. Um, if Pookie's hamstring is bad, that's that's a real struggling point for us up front, I, you know. Do we put in Dixon Peters? Do we go with someone really untested and untried at this level up front? Don't know. We'll wait to see what happens tomorrow. Um, and we'll hope that everyone's wrapped up in cotton wool in training on Thursday and they all make it to the ground on Saturday in one piece. Yeah, let's 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 hope so. I'm, I'm just concerned about them stepping off the, the team bus at the moment, I think, as our as <laughs> as most Norwich fans. I think, I think you're right. I think the, the major boost would be Timu Puki being fit, and and also maybe Xavi Quintia coming back. I think if you, if you get those two, then you've got a you've got the back four essentially, haven't you? If, if Quintia's yeah. back and can play, and, and and he can play at left back, that frees up Sorensen, and yeah. maybe it'd be be nice to get a look at him in, in midfield. And then of course Puki at the moment he's, he's the only fit striker. And you're right, if if he is injured, what do they do? Do they go for uh, this this 18 year old Tom Dixon Peters, Scotland um, youth international, has, has scored five goals in four games for the under 18s this season? I, I don't think he's He's trained a lot with the first team by all accounts. Or to the, does Daniel Farker do something completely different, which is to, to get back Josip Dermic from the cold? And I don't, I'm not even sure he's in the country at the moment. So that's that's going to be an interesting one to see. But we, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens to, for Daniel Farker's press conference. Just very quickly, Sarah, um, Michael McGovern, I've seen quite a, quite a bit of stick for him this, this week, but he's an international goalkeeper. He's experienced, he's, he's played games in the championship before. As a as a replacement for Tim Krul for however long, um, how confident are you in, in in his ability? And do you think he he can ensure that Norwich City's fairly good defensive record in comparison to, to the last two seasons um, continues? Yeah, I mean he's a different type of goalie to Tim Krul, right? And he, and he hasn't had that regularity of games to give him sort of maybe that match fitness or sharpness that the goalkeepers need and and that's why I think they kept him out at half time didn't they at Stoke just to give him extra time to warm up and really sort of get his reflexes shot I mean what a servant to Norwich City though over the years he's always there always sitting there as the reserve goalie it must be the worst position possible to have in a football club um because you've got to keep match fit you've got to be sharp but you're hardly ever going to be used and I think the times he has stepped in for us he's 
he's done a good job. And I thought at Stoke, yeah, there was a couple of hairy moments as he was getting settled into the team. But then by the end, he's shouting at his back four. He's doing some pretty good saves. His distribution is different to Tim's and maybe his weakest part of his game. So I think the back four and the team need to adjust to that for Saturday. Um, but a nice guy. I mean, he's one of those guys as well when when the kids are in the ground or the fans are in the ground, he will take the time to talk to everyone. So he's a real Norwich City guy through and through. And I think we should we should get behind him and give him all the support that he needs for Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I know he's he's very well liked behind uh, behind the scenes. Daniel Farker speaks so highly of him. I think it was very telling on Tuesday. The first player that he, he went up to was Michael McGovern and, and gave him a big hug. He made an excellent save in, in the second half. I think you're right. His, his, phys- his physicality and his distribution are different and that might mean a, a little bit of a tweak, but but we shall see. Um, Tom, I, I don't know if we're going to call this the Darren Huckabee derby, the James Madison derby. <laughs> um, you, can, you can insert numerous. She's picked from, isn't it? Leon McKenzie comes to mind. Um, you, you, I'm, I'm sure there, there are numerous others. But how do you see this this game going against Norwich? And, and how do you think Mark Robbins will, will approach it? Sarah has kind of said there that mm. maybe she'd like to see a, a team really have a go at Norwich. Are, are you kind of the same, given you've listened to the last half an hour of chat about, about injuries and whatnot? Yeah, I think so. And I, th- I think, you know, injuries or no injuries, I think, you know, I think we, we just have to go out and... Um, I don't think Mark Rowans would would call it a free hit in front of the players, but I think in his head he will he will see it like that in the way he he views the game block. So, um, yeah, I think I think you know he might be a bit more attacking, possibly play two up front, and yeah, why not just just go for it a little bit? You know that we've got really nothing to lose in this game. It's not one we're expected to win. Our season certainly won't be defined by by this result. So, um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to see us go out and, uh, and and go for it really, and if we. You know, if we get a point, it's a it's a great result for us. So, why not? I think it'll be I think it'll be quite a tight game. To be honest, um, I think you'll notice that our our defence uh, we have conceded a lot of goals, but we without the individual errors we've had, generally our, our defence are quite tight and quite have really good shape. So, I don't think there'll be tons of chances in the game, um, and you know it could be a it could be a low scoring game. And if we can nick like a one one or something, that'd be that'd be brilliant. We'd be very happy with that. You probably and, um, wouldn't be, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think to be fair, the the six points that Norwich have got against against um, Borough and Stoke maybe takes the pressure off this one a little yeah. bit, especially with the context of the injuries. Um, I, I'll ask you a question. I, I always ask our, our opposition fans when they come on, which is I ask you to to channel your your Daniel Farker if if you were to sort of be wearing that that green black whatever colour Parker he, he, he chooses on that particular day. Which area of the Coventry? team would you, would you look to exploit which area would you look to really um to really exploit in terms of a, a, a particular weakness or, or an area that maybe isn't so strong um compared with the rest of it yeah it's a it's a tough one really like I said I think our, our sort of center halves are pretty strong you know in terms of aerially and things like that so that's not really a weakness I'd say possibly down the wings um you know we like I, I really rate McCallum and I really rate Dabo, but sometimes they they aren't the most defensive players, and sometimes they can, with McCallum playing on the other side, he has been caught out a little bit where he's he's not used to sort of playing on the on the other side. Um, so, but it depends on whether he's going to be on that side or back on the left on Saturday. But yeah, possibly down the wings that we we can be a little bit exploited, and generally it's just been it's just been individual errors this season for us. So you know. 
moments of lapses in concentration they they can happen sometimes for us and i imagine you know a team like norwich would would pounce all over those chances so yeah we've got to be you know we've got to be, keep things tight on saturday so that's possibly what what he'll be uh, what he'll be saying Interesting. Um, Sarah, how, how do you see this game going? And, and then finally, of course, I've got to ask you for the dreaded score prediction. Now, I, I'll tell you across the sort of, I don't know how many we've done of these now, 11 maybe this season, um, the, the score predictions from Norwich fans have been fairly pessimistic. So I'm hoping you're going to come come through with an optimistic one. Uh, yeah, what, what would I go for? I, I think it will be tighter than we might expect. I think, it, uh, you know, Norwich will be a bit more cautious perhaps because they... They they know that if they get injured, what's going to happen? But that might add a different dynamic to the game and to how they play. Um, I, I still think we'll win, so I will go for a two-one. But I think it will be interesting to see what team we put out and how much we change our shape from what we've seen them play in previous games. You know, we're we're, we're sort of lacking that enough players on the on the wings, the creative players, the sort of. Yeah, what 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 formation are we going to go for? It's going to be interesting. It is. I, I can't wait for the, the team news at two o'clock. I think that um that's that's going to be very very interesting to see who's in the team and, and who's on the bench as uh, as per Tuesday. Um, Tom, same question really. How, how do you see this game going? And and let's have your score prediction as well. Yeah, I think it, I think it'll be quite tight as well. You know. If- been following your results a little bit you don't seem to sort of really kind of batter teams I mean hopefully I haven't tempted fate there and we get a battering on Saturday but you know it seems like it you know it's been narrow victories really and just doing enough to to win the game so I think it will be quite tight I don't think there'll be a huge amount of goals but I'm going to be positive and go for a 1-1 and as I said we'd be we'd be pretty happy with that good stuff guys thank you very much for for joining me um it's it's going to be a very interesting game fingers crossed for for no more injuries from from a norwich perspective It'd be really good to see mark robbins back at carrow road of course we'll we'll be there you can follow it all pinkin.com the, the place to go we'll have a live blog all the usual analysis and reaction as well um guys thank you very much for joining me we'll see you again very very soon as we look ahead to to luton of course that may be the first game of fans back let's let's hope so um make sure you stay safe and we'll see you again very very soon 